service, I'm not sure if they were just not awake yet or if they've been conditioned to be quiet. And so I don't know which one that is. So I'm looking forward to some feedback. Hey, for those of you who, uh, who don't know me, my name is Jay Ballard. Not related to any Ballards up here. We checked. Uh, my lovely wife, Miss Nikki. Everybody say hi, Miss Nikki. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been about a year or so since we've been here. I'm glad to be back. And as I was thinking, Brandon called me and said he was going on vacation, and he's well-deserved. Make sure and pray for your pastor and his wife uh, while they're gone. Um, that I was thinking, you know, it's been 12 years we've been floating around here. Can you believe that? 12 years we've been interacting with you guys, and I'm just so excited, to, uh, again, to be back and, and uh, to encourage you and uh, let you know what it is that God's been doing in our ministry. Um, <clears throat> faith ministry is where it is that... Um, that uh, we're at right now. We're in Reno, Nevada, and um, we've been serving in this church for six years. It's a plant, and I want to thank you guys, uh, not only the missions offering where you've seen the video from and giving to missionaries in the United States, which we're a product of, thank you, but we are also a product of the first couple years when Stan said, hey, how do we support you guys, you know, and to be able to, uh, to help get uh, us launch a new church in, uh, in Reno. And so it's been six years since we've been over there. They, they don't call us a church plant no more. You're more than five years old, you're not a church plant. And I'm like, are you kidding? We're still trying to get our legs under this. This is kind of difficult. But uh, that's what it is that we've been doing. We've been having a blast. And uh, I just want to thank you again for supporting us uh, and what we're doing. Let's go on to that next picture. Let me, let me give you some, um, some big pictures. Somebody asked about Maddie. Does anybody know Maddie, huh? Our niece, Maddie. Yeah, but. And so our niece, Maddie, came with us last time, and um, she couldn't be here today. She's in Africa. She's in Morocco today. Can you believe it? All the places to go. Um, she's over there. And, and so um, God's been doing good. This picture here in the lower right-hand corner, this was just as last year on her second trip to Ecuador. And she actually led the team. She did all the, uh, you know, calendarizing and the scheduling and the planning and worked with the missionaries down there, took a team. Um, I think there was, was there seven? I think there were seven teenagers that went on that trip. There was uh, like a dozen of them all together. Either six or seven of them were teenagers all together. And so um, she got a chance to lead and, and run that trip down there. She's also made her second trip to South Asia and so on those South Asia trips, um, it's, she's going to a closed country. So she's going to a country, a Muslim country, where Christianity is not allowed to be proclaimed. And so that's where she's been twice on those trips. And again, she's in North Africa visiting our International Mission Board missionaries. So at Christmas, when we take our International Missions offering, that's some of the missionaries that are in Africa and also in South Asia, which, uh, let me turn this off. It's a closed country where, um, where you can't, um, you can't pro proclaim the name of Christ. And so while she's over there, she's going, man, I feel called to a foreign country. I want to serve God, uh, reaching Muslim folks. And I've seen a, a ministry in the bulletin that's going to be doing that. And so uh, for you guys, and I encourage you to, uh, to continue to support those who are going and seeing how that's done. But Maddie was asked, hey, if you're looking at, at moving into missions and ministry, why don't you go ahead and fill out the application and all that stuff now? And so she's looking at a two-year um, journeyman position in South Asia 
uh, starting probably about a year from now, once she goes through all the process of, of what it takes to, to be a missionary, an international mission board missionary. So uh, the other thing is that she's finishing up. I think she's got half a semester talking with Becky this morning. Uh, school is just ah all over the place, huh? So Maddie's got one half a semester left, and then she's got a year uh, or uh, one semester of uh, uh, student teaching. And then she'll be done with her with her bachelor's. And so that's what God's been doing with the, the missionary that he put in our home. You know, it took us a lot of years to get ready to be able to have a missionary in our home. I don't know if you know that. But to raise a missionary, we're now responsible for raising a missionary. And so that's what God's been doing in the life of Maddie. Um, the, the top right-hand corner of that picture, you see that building that's there? Um, that used to be First Southern Baptist Church of Reno. And um, in, I think, 99, they, uh, they changed their name to a place called Desert Springs. And uh, this is actually the first church I served at as pastor uh, back in about 2002. And it's, this is the place, actually, I met Brandon. Uh, we, were, we were hosting missionaries and mission teams. And he brought a group of students over. It's been like 14 years ago now. Brought a group of students over and helped um, some of the other church plants that were going on. I got a chance to meet him. And um, we spent time. And, of course, he's just a nut, and so am I. And so it works out good. And, um, but when we were, when we were there, uh, after we'd left there, actually, I met, uh, we came to Shasta, down to Reading, and he was on a search team that called me as an area missionary for here in the Shasta Association. So it's like, dude. And so, um, but anyways, I'm sorry, I get excited about that. But, um, but that church there um, is now Faith Ministry, our second campus. So about a year ago, we got a phone call that said, hey, Jay, our little church has dwindled down to nothing. Our pastor's leaving. We don't know what to do. Would you come and help us? And so our preaching pastor, Jim Hunter, who preaches our, our North Campus, and now we have two campuses, so it's one church, two campuses. So instead of having two worship services an hour apart, they're seven miles apart, okay? But we have two services. And so, so when Jim called and said, hey, this little church, here's the message, and I said, now, Jim, I said, you know if I answer this phone call, we're going to end up taking on another campus and having another church. Are you ready for two campuses? He said, oh, just praying, just praying. I don't know about that. And so, uh, but his word for the year was risk. And I said, come on, jump in. You already said yes to the Lord. Let's do it, right? And so how many times have you ever said yes? And then all of a sudden he asked something from you and then you have to step out on your yes. Oh, and so uh, this little church here, it's been a year now. We were asked to come down. We had to put some things back together. It was just unkept and uncared for. And uh, it's kind of like Nehemiah showing up to the temple going, oh, well, look at the mess you guys made of this. But um, God has allowed us to help put some ministry and missions back in place. Let me share a couple of things. Again, it's one church, two campuses. We support six mission churches. Two of them are plants that are going to be leaving here this summer. Two of them are Spanish congregations that meet within our building. Uh, one of them is a restart uh, that was First Baptist Church of Truckee that is now Deerfield Community Church. And the last one, we were asked to sponsor a Pakistani congregation, since we have some kind of you know, connection there. And so, um, so we're looking at three families, a fourth family that goes to another church, and a pastor, a Pakistani pastor from Las Vegas, as they're kind of trying to come up and get that group connected. So we're looking at sponsoring six um, missions from this building, and that's what God's been allowing us to do. Um, we've been doing EBI, which is Equip Biblical Institute. It's like a Bible college class, except it's not quite as in-depth, but it's the spiritual leadership. It's a certificate in leadership. Uh, they're helping guys that are called into the ministry. 
uh, helping train those guys there. We've had a chance to license four men to the gospel ministry. Two of those guys are on staff with us at Faith Ministry Reno campus, and then two of them were uh, from uh, Trinity is the name of the Second Spanish Church. And so we licensed two of those guys and helped those guys congregate also. And so that's what God's been, been doing with us. May 5th, so just over a month from now, we get a chance to ordain two of those guys. One of them's going to be the missions pastor that's starting a new work. The other one's going to be one of the Spanish pastors uh, that's there. And so um, that's what God's been doing with us this, this week, uh, over this last year in this building. Um, running about, between the two campuses, running about 120 on a Sunday morning. Um, and then we were dealing with about 175 people or so. And so sometimes there's not very many folks there on a Sunday morning. But if you count all the folks you deal with throughout the month, we get a chance to impact a lot of lives or be involved in a lot of lives by the grace of God. He allows us in that kind of ministry. And so... And so you keep praying for us because that building is a workhorse. And so, you know, there's, there's two things. One of them is if you don't have a building, you, you don't have the blessing of having to clean it and keep it up and all of those things. But again, everybody goes, well, I thought church was, the, where's that church building out? And you know, ah, we didn't have one. But now that we got a building, so the other side is, again, all the work you got to do with it. Um, but that's our missions outpost. So the mindset is to make it a missions outpost. And from there, um, just congratulations also on on. I looked in the bulletin and the amount of missions work you guys are doing. Just it's a missions mindset of life on mission. Everybody say life on mission. That's it. It's living out everything that God's called us to. Um, and and uh, if you're talking about in Bible study class, how do you let the word of God just continue to dwell in your heart so richly that you live it out on the other side? And it's that long process. Remember when you're, those of you who are young in your walk with God or just trying to learn the Bible, keep plugging away out of it. Man, I remember I couldn't remember verses. I couldn't live the things that I kept reading about. But over practice and practice and years and years and years, us who are much older have gotten a little bit more understanding of what God's saying, but we ain't got it down yet, right? And so <laughs> I know what he means now a little bit easier, but that doesn't mean I can live it any easier. And so, Or maybe that's just me. Anybody else doing better at that, or is that just me? Oh, okay. That's the way it is. That's it. Um, so um, this uh, picture down here in the bottom left-hand corner is that trailer. Uh, that's a send relief trailer. Um, as, uh, as an area missionary in Feather River, by the way, we've been in Feather River Association uh, 10 years now and planting a church for six of those. And so I got those, you know, those dual roles. You know what it is? I had nothing better to do in my off time. So we started a church. I don't know. Um, and so this trailer, I was looking at an email and it said, oh, the North American Mission Board wants to be able to give a resource, a send trailer or something like a party trailer or disaster relief trailer to a church, uh, church plant or an association that wants to do something with it. I said, right here, I want to do something. So I filled out the little application online. I sent it back in. I didn't think nothing of it. And about like eight months later, you know, I get a phone call. It says, oh, your trailer's ready. <laughs> Great. <laughs> When's it going to be here? <laughs> and so... It came in, uh, and then we got a chance to have this trailer, and we put it together. It was just about the time the floods happened all down in Texas and Houston and all that stuff. You know, everything was all flooded out. 
And so we got with a bunch of other churches around and said, hey, we want to put the equipment and supplies and all that stuff in. And we had churches donate uh, rakes and shovels and barrels and uh, ladders and generators and sprayers and uh, put together uh, 40 or 50 of the flood buckets that are in there. Uh, all the masks, the respirators, chainsaws, just stocked the whole trailer with equipment and supplies. And so... Uh, January, a year ago, we actually took a team uh, to Houston to do some clean out, clean out, actually in Beaumont, but we cleaned up a home of some people there. So we've got this trailer sitting, and you know, it's not something you use all the time, but when you have it, is it available? And so with, um, with the uh, Paradise Megalia fires, yeah, campfire, that's the name of it, but in Paradise and Megalia, yeah, campfire. And so when they called, um, I called Doug Crowder, who's the pastor over at First Baptist Church in Megalia. And I said, we got this trailer with all this equipment. Can we bring stuff? And he said, man, as soon as they opened the roads, it took you know, a long time for us to be able to get in, even to drop stuff off that. And um, that trailer is sitting there right now. So all those extra flood buckets, all those extra equipments, not only have we taken the trailer over once, but we've taken a second group, um, uh, load of equipment, supplies, hand tools, and in May, uh, Feather River Association, Pastor Dan down in Quincy, uh, he's got a work team going to help um, rebuild some of the properties because now they're in the property rebuild, you know, shovel all the crud away and all that stuff kind of stage. So we have another uh, opportunity there to be able to uh, use that trailer for missions and ministry. Um, the top picture you'll see there is camp. We've been doing camp at Camp Tehama, which is uh, right at the base of Mount Lassen for 10 years now. And so uh, I remember the first time I came and worked at First Baptist Mount Shasta, Brandon called me and said, dude, we're doing youth camp. You need to come. And I'm like, man, I'm all in. Let's go. And it was right up here at Lake Siskiyou. And so that was the first time we come. And so continue to do in camps. And we just love camps because it's an opportunity to get kids out of their environment and their adult workers, by the way. How many of you guys have ever worked at camp, huh? It's the best week of your life that was designed for kids that I got away. You know, it's always funny because the adults go, hey, you know what? If they'd only have one of these for, for adults. And I go, we do. We call it retreats all the time. You were busy. And so... Um, <laughs> But anyways, we, we got a chance to come up and, uh, and, and do camps there. But this is 10 years of doing this camp. Uh, you'll see two of our missionaries in the middle there, and the boys on the outside are just uh, teenagers uh, that were there at camp. So 10 years. We've had between 120 and 140 children, youth, and adults at camp every year. We've had summer missionaries that have worked at camp, have grown and gone on to continue missions and ministry in their life. And so many of the kids that we use at vacation Bible schools or backyard Bible clubs or event evangelism projects have come through our missions camp. We have people that return year after year after year. You know, people that pay their own way in order to get there. It reminds me of a preacher who said, you ain't a real preacher unless you paid to preach. You're not a real missionary unless you paid your own way to be on the mission field. You know what I mean? When you've done, <laughs> okay, Lord, I'm going. I want to go. So in this camp, um, all these years, the Lord's allowed us to invest in the lives of kids and people. Um, the last two years, our camp cook has been Pastor Doug Crowder at First Baptist Church in Magalia Pines. And so when the fires broke out, those are the kind of relationships, being able to take things back. And I say all of that to say, again, thank you 
for over the 12 years that we've been, Nikki and I, and uh, bringing actually two nieces. We brought the first niece the other time, huh? And this is a different niece that lives with us. Um, being able to, you guys invest and prayed for and been friends and relationships. We've taken teams from here over to Mount Shasta. Uh, just thank you guys so much for uh, not only just supporting missions, supporting us, and just being on mission yourself. Amen? Give yourself a hand. Woo! You guys are dynamite. Hey, I want to take a look at uh, Scripture. Um, before I take a look at Scripture, I'm going to be in Mark chapter 10. Uh, I'd like somebody just to stand and just pray for the word, just that God would speak to us. I've got a volunteer. Um, I'm just asking somebody to pray for me right before we, I, I open up the Scripture here. Yes, ma'am, would you please? Ooh. All right, she's got voice command over here. Thank you so much. Yes, <laughs> so much. Now the pressure's on. I was usually afraid to relieve the pressure. Now there's expectations. Awesome, awesome. So I'm going to be in Mark chapter 10. If you got your Bibles with you, turn there and say amen once you get there. Anybody not there yet? Say wait a minute. All right, me neither. I'm not there yet either. Awesome, awesome. So in Mark chapter 10, um, uh, the, um, <clears throat> there's two stories in here that I want to take a look at. And they, 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 um, they, they show two sides of, of uh, simple faith. They show two sides of trusting God. And, uh, you know, for all of us, there's those times when we can trust God and say, Oh, Lord, you're in control, no problem. And then there's times when we say, Oh, God, I've got to do this. I've got to take care of it. Would you help jump in and help me? Huh? Or is that just me? Anybody else do that? Just check it. So there's these two parts of these two stories that kind of contrast, and that's why these stories are next to each other. One of them is, um, is here in Mark chapter 10 uh, with the, uh, the, Jesus, the children coming to Jesus. So in verse uh, 13. So people were bringing um, their little children to Jesus. This is um, near the second half of his Galilean ministry. This is right before uh, Passion Week, of course, in, uh, in, in Mark. So in this passage of scripture, so he's been serving like three years, uh, developing his disciples, proclaiming the word of God, uh, meeting people along the way. And children, these parents are coming and they're bringing their children to him, bringing their children to Jesus so that he would touch them. And his disciples rebuked them. Hey, 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 the teacher's busy. Don't bring those kids up here. Wait. And the Bible says here, that when Jesus saw that, my NIV says he was indignant. But he was upset. He was mad. My wife reminded me that this is this, the, the mad, like when he goes in and tears up the temple and he knocks over all the tables. This kind of mad is even worse than how you treated the temple because you didn't let the children come to me. And Jesus said to his disciples, boys, knock it off. Let those kids come on up here. And um, In fact, the Bible says... Um, he was indignant, so he said to them, Jesus to his disciples, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, 
For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. If anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will not enter it. A simple faith. How did kids come? Did you know Jesus was a smiling, happy Jesus? Amen? You know how I know that? Because kids don't go to people that are grumpy. Huh? You get that sourpuss look on your face? Mm, kids go, oh, I don't know about this guy. But Jesus says, come, let the little children come to me. And he picked them up in his arms. And he loved them. And he blessed them. And so here's what I want to be able to say is that it's a simple faith. It's like you know, when you have your kids or your grandkids and they're little and they go to jump off the couch and you go, come on, I'll catch you, you know, and they jump into your arms. And so when you jump and you jump into the arms of Jesus, do you come to Jesus like a little child? Okay, Papa, here I am and jump into his arms, whatever it is you have for me. Yeah. You know what happens, don't you? We grow from a child into a teenager, and the world gets around us. We go off to college, and we get all this education, and then we get married, and we get into life, and then all of a sudden, life and feelings and emotions and hurts and knowledge and all this stuff jumps in, and we forgot about the simple faith of trust in God. Simple faith. I don't know how about you guys, but sometimes I just make it too hard on myself, huh? Expectations, requirements, it's like, you know, getting into church. Man, did I, did I get to church enough times? Did I check off my little Sunday school card? Did I get my offering in? Did I, you know, pray as much times? Did I do all those things? It has nothing to do with all those things. Amen? Amen. Keep doing them, but it doesn't have to do with those. You do those things because of the relationship with God. You don't do those things to have a relationship with God. Amen? So here's this real simple faith. You guys are doing great at this responding, by the way. That early service, man, I don't know if they were awake or they're just, you know, Brandon tells everybody to hush while he's talking. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Verse 15, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not inherit it. A simple faith. That's that point. In contrast is the next story that comes right after this. In the next story right after this, uh, the Bible says a rich young man. Just as Jesus started on his way and his disciples after blessing his children, this young man come running up to him and saying, Teacher, teacher whoa, 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 whoa. And then he runs, runs up to him. In fact, the scripture says here that he, um, that he ran up to him he fell on his knees before him, and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Why do you call me good? Jesus says, No one is good except God alone. Well, you know what the commandments are. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false witness, don't give false testimony, don't defraud, honor your mother and father. And here this kid says, But I've been doing that since I was a boy. He's saying, You know what? I've been such a good Jewish kid that when I was 13 and I went to my bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah means that I become a son of the law. That when I was 13, I became responsible to God myself. Because our parents can't get us to heaven, right? Grandparents, you can't get your grandkids to heaven. They have to learn to have their own relationship with God. Amen? And so here, this guy says, oh, I've been doing all the rights and the wrongs and the do's and all that stuff since I was a kid. I've been trying to keep those commandments. I've been trying to keep all of that stuff. I've been doing that since I was a boy. And Jesus says here, he says, then there's one thing you lack. Go sell all the things you have, give to the poor, 
And then you'll have treasures in heaven to come follow me. In verse 22, and the man's face fell because he had great wealth. All of a sudden he had this thought in his head. Oh my gosh, everything that I've worked for, that I've done, that I've put together, God wants me to let go of it and follow him? You know, here's a couple of points. Let me make these couple of points. This man ran up to Jesus. He had urgency in the request that he had. Amen? He had humility. He fell on his knees before him. He had um, acceptability because he accepted what it is that Christ was teaching from the Old Testament being the message from God. But he had an inability to do what God said did not have the ability to follow. Now, in this guy's case, the Bible says it's a rich young man, but um, Luke actually says that he was a rich young ruler. Most likely, he was a property owner. He had his family there. He had other families and sharecroppers, possibly. He had indentured servants. He had slaves. So he has this big company or this uh, you know, ranch or farm, or all those things that are going on that he has that he's responsible for. He's a property owner. He's got a business to manage. He's got these people he's responsible for, the lives that are around him. And since Luke calls him a rich young ruler, most likely as one of the many property owners, they sat at the, tem- or the, uh, the city gates and they were part of the government system. So he had position in the city and influence with the county and the, uh, and the city and the state or whatever it is um, alongside. So he had this influence. And Jesus said, oh, you've done a lot of good things on the do's and don'ts part. But then he comes back to saying, but one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. You will have um, riches in heaven. And then come follow me. This guy's problem was the stuff that he had. Now, some of us have different problems. Some of us, uh, what is it? Here's my next point. First one is, is a simple, easy faith. Amen? A simple faith in God. The second one is, what is it that's keeping you from following God with your whole heart? What's keeping you from following God with everything you own? Your entire existence. Being able to throw everything away and step out and say, I'm following God no matter what. You know, remember when you used to say that? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Yeah, we still argue with ourselves over that one, don't we? Still arguing with some of that stuff. Well, this guy, his issue was his position, his uh, business, his um, you know, um, influence that he had. That was his problem. Now, the Bible says, uh, go and sell everything you have. Get rid of all the things that weigh you down, that hold you down, that keep you from your relationship with God. Get rid of all of that stuff. And the Bible does not say, and this is interesting, when you first hear that, you think it says, go sell everything you have and give everything to the poor and be poor also. Do you hear that sometimes? That's what it sounds like almost. But the Bible says, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, give some to the poor, you'll have riches in heaven, then come follow me. Because when you follow him, the riches that you have, being able to give them away. So here this, but the Bible says he went away, Sad, because he had much wealth. He wasn't willing to share it. Verse 22, and Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? His disciples were amazed. And then he said it again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? Verse 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. 
It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That looks pretty difficult. Let me put it in today's standards. How about if you drove your car through your wedding ring? Would you be able to do that? Yeah. So I, there it is. So would you be able to drive your car through your wedding ring? Would you be able to make that through there? It's easier for driving your car through your ring than it is for a rich man to get to heaven. Why? Because it's letting go of everything. And by the way, that it just isn't riches. It was his issue. We're not rich today. By the way, um, very few of us have built wealth, okay? But most of us have debt up to our eyeballs because we're living like we're rich, amen? Not us here per se, but America for sure. People have, you know, they, they're mortgaging their second mortgages on their house and their two or three cars they're paying payments on and they're, you know, uh, was a pay, a financing their living rooms and their college, you know, and their kids and it's all debt and it's all piled up, but we're living as if we're rich. But sometimes the lifestyle is the same thing we have to give up in order to follow Christ. It's amazing how many missionaries come out of seminary and they can't even enter the mission field or enter the ministry because of the debt load that they carry. So Jesus says it's easier for an eye, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. His disciples were even more amazed and says, well, who can even be saved then? Sometimes we run across that in our Christian life. Well, psh, I can't even you know, follow God on these things. I might as well just, oh, well. But yet he says, Jesus looked at them, and he says this in verse 27. With man it is impossible, but with God it is possible. With God, all things are possible. Rich man, poor man, hurt man, there's something that's keeping us from following God. <clears throat> and sometimes we hang on to our garbage and our junk and our stuff, and we're not going to let God be God because we're not willing to let go of the life or the issues or the stuff we have. You know, maybe sometimes it's... um. Maybe sometimes it's uh, emotions or baggage or feelings. I'm not good enough. Uh, I've got too many hurts. I don't trust anybody anymore. Um, uh, you know, I, I got whatever the excuse is. But we're not willing to let go and let God because we cannot earn our salvation with anything. Amen? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is, By grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is a work of God. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We continue on and on with uh, passages of scriptures and how God says, I want to invest in you. How about this? Um, did you know you, you can't take it with you, right? Can't take it with you. But you can send it on ahead. Did you know that? Luke 12, 34 says, Do not, you know, store it for yourselves, treasure in heaven, where moths and rust will not destroy. Store it for yourselves. Send it on ahead, all of those things. Here comes the key to this whole passage. Because at first you're thinking, you know, um, we got, we got our, our children that have a simple faith. And Jesus says, you let the children come to me in a simple faith. And then we have a guy that's got all of this stuff and things, but it isn't going to get him there. And it's so difficult to enter into kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is not only eternity when we get there, heaven, but it's here and now. It is the very nature of God who lives and dwells in our heart, who we have asked God to forgive us of our sin and our crud, and we walk away from our choices in our life, and we allow God to live within us. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but 
Christ who lives in me. I talk to people all the time. In fact, I just seen a guy this last week talked about, you know, well, I was just so depressed and so discouraged I thought about suicide. I said, well, why don't you just commit spiritual suicide? It's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you don't want to live your life anymore. Why don't you quit and let Jesus live your life? Because what kind of life, I mean, how do I do with my life? But if I just said, oh, well, God, forget it. I don't want me doing my life. I don't know. Did, am I the only one that really messed it up, huh, in the first 20 or 30 years? But now, in the last many years, when I no longer live but Christ lives within me, what kind of things does he use my life to do, huh? We get a chance to impact our friend Doug Crowder. They're from Magalia Pines. Uh, he's not there today. In church. He is in Malaysia. He's in Malaysia because a year and a half ago, they started a Christian school in a Muslim country. They started a school in their own building. He's uh, helped start a couple of other churches that are around them. Uh, they've taken international and foreign trips, taken folks on mission trips, and they ask, gosh, Doug, how do you get a chance to do all these things? Doug just says, I just say yes. So when God comes to you and says, hey, I want you, are you, have you yes already on the table? Have you already gotten rid of all the crud and the stuff and the excuses that we could pile up and use because you've given your life to God and say, God, it's your life. What do you want to do with this life? You know, I, um, let me use the illustration. Um, this guy named Rick Warren. He's got a little church down in Southern California. Wrote a book almost 20 years ago. I know. <laughs> Nikki just realized how old she was. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> um, and in the very beginning of the book, it's called Purpose Driven Life. And the very first sentence is, it's not about you. Everybody say that with me. It's not about me. Right? No, yeah, you, you, you yeah. No, you. Say, it's not about me. It's not about me. That's it. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's greater than your family or your career or even your wildest dreams and ambition. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. See, we typically begin in the wrong starting point. We start with ourselves. We ask what kind of self we ask self-centered questions like what what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams, what are my future? Focusing on ourselves will never reveal life's pur purpose. We were made by God and for God, and until we understand that, life will never make sense. Young people, as you're reading the word of God, sometimes it doesn't make sense. You keep reading the word of God because as life goes on, it'll make sense. That's why he said that. Keep striving to memorize those verses, even if it's one at a time. Whether you're singing a song, you write them on your mirror, go to Sunday morning Bible study where our teacher was hounding us on memorizing verses. Young people, I haven't got this whole walk with God figured out, but I've walked without God and I've walked with God. And I don't want to walk without God anymore. Because he changes and molds and shapes me into his purpose. Allows us to do great things. Doug, why is it that you get to do all these things? Because I say yes. 
gosh, Jay and Nikki, you guys are running around the country doing great things. I'm like, I'm tired, but God keeps giving me another assignment. Lord, uh, Nikki says, don't, don't get any more projects. I said, okay, but I'm not the one sending the commands. <laughs> I just keep saying yes. My yes is on the table. And it's easier to put a car through your wedding ring than it is to let go of riches and fantasies and dreams of what I want my life to be than it is for someone to come to know Christ personally and enter the kingdom of God. Jesus looked at them and he said, with man it is impossible, with God all things are possible. And then Peter in verse 28 says, well, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. I've left it all behind. And this is the cool part. 29, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. No one who has ever left their brother or their sister or their mother or their father or their children or their fields for me or for the gospel, will, will, they will not fail to receive a hundred times this in this present age and in the age to come. Amen? So all this stuff that this rich young ruler had and around him, his influence and his employees and his property and his uh, sitting at the table at the, at the city council and all that stuff, all of that stuff he had would have been multiplied a hundred times if he would have said, okay, I get rid of all of the baggage that hinders me from my walk with God. It's a simple faith. We make it too doggone difficult, don't we? Jesus said, come to me just the way you are. He didn't say, wash your face before you get in the shower. He said, come to me just the way you are. Well, if I get cleaned up, I'll come to church. <laughs> don't happen that way. I don't know. I've been coming to church a long time, and I still ain't cleaned up. Anybody else there? Oh, gosh, still working on me. Yeah. What is it? The older I got, the smarter I find out my dad really was. You know, The more and more I find out what the Bible really says, the farther and farther I realize I am from God. Hmm? And so... For all those who have left everything, not more than a hundred times in this age or the present age to come. First Chronicles 29:11, your God is the greatest with most power and glory and majesty and splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. You're the Lord and the kingdom, and you are exalted from heaven and beyond. Sometimes we huddle around our stuff, don't we? We're not willing to let go of it. Mike McIntosh was down in San Diego. I worked with his son on some student ministry stuff years ago. But he serves in one of the largest Calvary chapels in the United States. So in San Diego, Calvary Chapel, Mike McIntosh was the pastor. And uh, he tells a story. Uh, but we were one of the leadership conferences, and he tells a story of their church would provide this massive, um, low-income, uh, homeless ministry to help people with, you know, jobs and cleaning and, and equipment and materials and supplies and everything that the, um, you know, the city and the county and other churches and all these things could provide. It is set out for all those who come and want it. It's, a, you, know, a, a, you know, giving to those who've come for it. And he tells a story of, of the shower room and that, you know, of course, all the showers and all that stuff were open for those who wanted to get showers, to get clothes, to pick up all the stuff that they wanted. And he tells a story of a little old man who went into the shower room and he set down his little bag of stuff. And the attendant in the shower room happened to be one of the football players from the San Diego Chargers. 
And the San Diego Charger football player was there, and the little man would, would grab his little bag of stuff, and he'd dig through it, and he'd look around, and he was all concerned about it, and he'd put it there, and he goes in to, to get a shower, he goes to the sink or whatever, and he comes back, and he looks at his little bag of stuff, and the football player goes, dude, don't worry, I got this covered, man. That bag ain't going nowhere. And the little guy would check his bag, and he'd hold on to it, and, and then he'd go to take a shower, and, and, and he'd come back out, and he'd look around and see if anybody's messing with his bag, and the football player's going, I told you, man, I got this. And here's this little old man holding on to this bag. And on the other side of the door, through the wall, is every agency and every bag and everything that you could ever walk away with as a person that wants a second start to start all over with. Everything is there. But just like us, sometimes we huddle around our little bag of stuff. And we don't see what God has for us on the other side. One thing you lack, go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. You'll have riches in heaven and come follow me. Well, how am I even going to make it to heaven? With, God, with man, it's impossible. With God, it's possible. But I've left everything. Yes, you have. And you will not fail to receive a hundred times more and be able to give away everything that God gives me. I get to give away. All the stuff that we give away, it's God's. Look, you need some more stuff? Hey, look, thank you, Lord. I just keep giving it away. Y'all know we can't outgive God, right? Put it into practice. Young people, if God's called you to himself, you live for him. You seek him in every opportunity you can. Old folks, there's no way that we've gotten too old that we can't do nothing anymore. Until he takes us on to glory, you keep serving and doing what God's called you to do. Amen? It's a simple faith. And in that simple faith, what is it that's keeping us from following God 100%? And always realize that we'll receive a hundredfold from him to give away. Father, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you for this church that glorifies you, that gives honor and glory to you. Father, the missions and the ministry that go on. Father, I thank you for the pastor and his wife and the staff that's here. Father, for um, the friendship over the years that we've had. Father, I thank you for being able to encourage and challenge uh, these guys. And Father, I just ask that um, right now as we just have our hearts bowed before you. That, Father, you, again, you say a simple faith like coming to his children. Lord, every head bowed and every eye closed. If there's someone here and your faith has not been that simple faith, then you just need to get back to that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, don't want to embarrass anybody. Lift your hand to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I just need to get back to that simple faith. I just need to walk where you're at. I just need to get, not make it so difficult. Father, I thank you for these hands. Pray for each and every one who has their hand up. Father, they lift their hands to you. You know their hearts. You know their circumstances, their situation. I pray blessing upon them. Father, um, I pray for these in our second point of, of what is the thing that's keeping us from following you. Father, whether it's a, um, our, our, our emotions, our self-will, our pride, um, our choices, our issues, the baggage that we have, Father, whatever that one thing is, Father, I pray right now that you would remove it from those who acknowledge they have this issue. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, if I have a bag that's in my life, would you come and take it away? Lift your hand to the Lord and say right now, I just need you to take this one thing away. It just keeps dealing with it. You know what it is? Father, I thank you for this. And Father, I just pray that we continue to understand that a hundred times you've got everything in your hands in all eternity and all the universe. And Father, let us give 
our time, our talents, our treasures in everything. And right now with our head bowed and every eye closed, if you have stuff and you just want to be a conduit for the Lord and you just want to say, Lord, use me right now in missions and ministry and service. Here I am, Lord. I want to serve. I want to give. I want to give away your stuff. Just lift your hand to the Lord and say, here I am. Let me, Lord, let me just serve you. Let me give your stuff away. Let me travel where you want me to travel. Let me do what you want me to do. Father, I just thank you for this example of these scriptures. Father, I thank you for these hands. Give these guys an opportunity, a position, a place, uh, uh, influence, wherever it is, because it's your stuff. It's your influence that you've given us. It's what you've done in our lives. And Father, it wouldn't be just if there's anybody here who's never said, God, I know you're up there. Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my life. If you've never said that in such a way that you committed your life and you totally meant it, now's the day to say, Lord, I want what you want. Every head bowed, every eye closed, not to embarrass anybody. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, lift your hand right now and say, Lord, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Be my God. Show me what you want me to be. Father, I thank you for loving us, calling us to yourself. Father, if there's anybody here who's asked you to come into their life, but they haven't been living the way they should, and they just need to get back on track. Lift your hand to the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I just need to get back on track doing what you called me to do. Father, I thank you for loving us, calling us to yourself, using us in your, in your kingdom, and allowing us to be a conduit for you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said...